You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, L.M. Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Veronica May, musician, author, and mental health advocate. Each episode, we visit the creative space of our guest. While I sat down with Veronica in her charming and welcoming home, you could feel the love of music and art that filled the environment. We spoke about appropriation versus appreciation, the ways music can connect us on and off the stage, and welcomed a very special guest, guitarist and artist Christian Nizeau, to discuss the important topic of mental health. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Veronica May. I am here today with Veronica May. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's great. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and we're going to have a great conversation. Well, let's start out. We were texting last night, and you I guess there was a typo. You said you had a game, and I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know they played sports, or that's really interesting. I'm glad that you corrected me. Um, what was your gig? Yeah, I was like, night? sorry, I have a game tonight. <laughs> hey, how was your game? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, well, you have to understand at 40, you do like voice to text for everything. Do you do voice to text? I'm obsessed with voice to text. Wait, you do yeah. voice to text? And voice memos, too. I'm notorious. Like, I just, oh, okay. I'll just. Send. It's basically a phone call that you don't have to respond to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's genius until it's not. And that's why it said game and not gig. But I had a great gig last night. Uh, it was Hanna Doreen and Hans and Verhanica. It was a lot of Hanna, Hanna, Hanna sounds. That's I amazing. I, I hope you put that on your bill. That's the, o- that's the only... Hanna. <laughs> Hanna. night. Yeah, I could go down a very weird brain path right now with like wordplay on that, but I'm not going to go there. Where was the, the show oh, at? It was at Enigma. And I couldn't believe how many people were there. I mean, they showed up for Hans. They haven't played for a while, and I was, it felt good. It felt good to have like a good crowd. That's great. Yeah. It's always exciting to mm-hmm. have that energy to play off of. Yeah. Let's take it back to the beginning. What is your musical history? How'd you get started? How'd you get to where you are now? Okay. Woo. Okay, so three, I started playing piano, five, fifth grade percussion through college, and then 17, I started playing guitar. I'm 40 now, so that kind of gives you a scope of it. My parents were in a band in the 70s, a country band, and that's kind of how it came to be for me. I kind of lucked out because there were seven of us kids, and I'm the only one that pursued music, which is surprising. And I asked my siblings, I was like, is it because I was the one that pursued it that you guys didn't, you know? But they, they, they say it, that's not the case, but it just surprises me that I was the only one. No kidding. I mean, I'm sure your parents were hopeful with seven. They were like, we're going to do a family band. Or like, please don't let any of them be musicians <laughs> like us. No, they loved it. My mom actually still, she plays piano still. She's fantastic. She's the best musician I know. She taught me most everything that I know about, like, dynamic. Mm. That was important to know. I think that's probably one of the most important the, things that, like, sets me not not apart from people. Sets me, like, that's the taste of it is, like, the dynamic that I give to the music that I have. And it's all because of her. But she's, she's, a, she's Catholic. And she plays piano for... The church, Our Lady of the Plains Catholic Church in Byers, Colorado. Wow. Shout out Stacy May. Yeah. 
But I was playing once and this guy came up to me and he goes, you play like a Catholic. I didn't know it was a thing, but I learned most of my skill on piano from my mom and then my dad guitar so very cool and then when was the transition I guess away from that kind of music to what you play now well that's what's weird I don't play catholic music right it's like the voicings I play on the piano I think it's the way Mm. I play my chords I think it's like catholic (laughs) on accident (laughs) so this like queer ladies playing catholic music I guess you know which I know incredible I know you can be queer and catholic not that I am, it's possible. Um, but I really got into, I think the style I'm kind of molding into now, it was influenced by Mac Ayers, which of course is influenced by what I want to say more than anything about the music I make, which is heavily influenced by like black culture, for sure, soul music. And sometimes R&B, sometimes I question if I should be singing the music I sing. Right. But that's what I love most and I think that's what I'm most influenced by right now yeah that's an interesting kind of place to be in when it's, you're making that music because it is like because you have to ask if you should be making that music and appropriation yes and well and you don't sing like there are certain songs I won't sing but then I, I think about like one of my covers I sing is at last and I love singing that cover and it like sets my heart on fire every time I go to karaoke every Wednesday and I sing that song but and and it doesn't have anything in it that I think to myself, well, these lyrics, like, they can't apply to me. But I have had people come up to me and question, like, whether if I, if I should sing it or not, you know? And so that's something I'm kind of thinking about in my career right now. Like, should I be singing the music I'm singing? Is that okay? Right. Well, and I, it might, I mean, it's good to have the question and at least then you can examine, you know, the, the motivation and if it's, coming from a place where of artistic inspiration and you're setting your soul on fire. I mean, yeah. that's why people make music, why, you know, that music yeah. was well, made to connect with, with people. So Yeah, and I think what I want to recognize more than anything is that I am making music that black folks created. I yeah. feel like that's what I, and I feel like on stage, like it's important to say those things sometimes to be like, hey, this is where this music is coming from, which a lot of the music is coming from places where people like me did damage, you know? So you got to think yeah. about like where your place is in it, I guess. Yeah. So wow. I'm kind of exploring that and, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm still playing my music and I, and I love playing, but it is a question in my mind now. I mean, where, how do you see yourself moving forward from that? What is the balance that you're exploring? Mm-hmm. I think um, collaborating with black artists, which I've done many times in the past and continuing to do that and like lifting up voices in ways like where I'm not the central focus all the time, where it's like maybe I'm doing production and there's a great singer, which I have done, where it's like I have this connection, so how can I bridge that? So that's how I do it. But yeah, it's I think it's a question for any white artist to ask that's like playing soul and funk and blues and R&B and rock and roll and <laughs> basically everything. <laughs> Sorry, we can't play anything. <laughs> All the good stuff. <laughs> Describe your musical style then in three mm-hmm. words as okay. it's evolving from. Mm-hmm. Okay, my musical style in three words. Syncopated, I guess. I'm always like, I think now that I'm playing with a band, I'm learning not to play on all the downbeats, but just finding where I fit in, I guess. So finding where I fit in, syncopation and groove, I guess, but feeling. Mm. 
And I think what's most important to me lyrically is what I ask myself as a songwriter always is like either what do I need to say or or how can I make a difference? Like how can I make somebody think? Because that's the opportunity we get as artists is we get this podium and then if we write a song that's important enough, people will, by rote, remember what we've said through the power of music. You know, it's, it's pretty powerful, like what we do, if you think about it. And as a music therapist for 11 years, I really saw like the actual scientific power of music and how it moves people. So it's, you know, it's important how you do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So with your education, I guess, what was your experience like teaching music beyond seeing that powerful scope of connecting with people and really, I mean, that's the most amazing thing I think about music too, is that it's has a way, it's like any sort of art or filmmaking, like it touches people in a way that isn't so combative and really can make them connect on their own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, how do you bring that into your experience educating? As in, like how do I bring my music therapy, my past music therapy education into like how I educate like ser- like for example like lessons and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh man, I can't help but think like a music therapist anymore. Like when I'm working with anybody, like I do personalized, I do custom songs. I'm trying to like build that part of my life right now. And well, I What is a custom song for maybe people listening who ooh, don't? Oh, yes, know. please. So my father passed in 2019 and I had a voicemail of his. And I was like, I'm going to lose this when I lose my phone. It's like what I have of him, like that voice. So I put it on Logic. And then I just like put, I put a verse that was pertaining to the voicemail. I like sung a song leading into the voicemail. And then had like supportive music under the voicemail. And then the song is over. But I realized like I can take people's Marco Polos that are like, I love you, babe. You know, and put that in and then like have their partner's voice singing and they can choose what instruments they want and the reference tracks they want, you know, but it's like a legacy. I mainly want to do like legacy work where it's like my mom has cancer and I, we don't have any recordings of her. Can you come over and just like talk to her? Like we're talking if she's not a singer and then her voice is there and I take all the special parts or she wants to sing something, you know, because it's like, it's a great marriage of, like I said, I'm not board certified anymore, so I'm not a music therapist, but like I had all that training and I had years of working with like so many people and so many populations that I can't help but be like, how can I teach this person? But also how can I like touch this person in a way, like make it more than it is. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I hope, I hope I can start doing that more, you know? But I want to always feed my life through music in like every avenue possible, you know, not just like standing on stage and singing. Well, that's a great thing to remember, too, is that it's music making doesn't necessarily just have to be a performance or just putting things out on Spotify or whatever. And that you're not an artist if you don't. Right. Right. I can't tell you how many people will say, oh, I wish I could do. I wish, you know, I wish I was a musician. I play guitar. I'm like, then you're a musician. You don't have to book a show to be an artist. I love that. That's so powerful, especially in, I mean, we were talking before we were recording about systems and being in this kind of like capitalist way that you just have to have to exist. And so remembering, hey, you're just because you're not monetizing your art doesn't mean it's not art. It doesn't mean it's Mm -hmm. not valid. Mm -hmm. It's true. What has been your favorite live show so far? Oh my god. Going gosh. now back to <laughs> Oh my gosh, my favorite live show. Dang it. 
That's so hard to say. Gary Clark Jr. blew my mind. He's he's a, maybe you know, but like a blues Absolutely. artist. Absolutely, I'm um, a little bit jealous. I paid so <laughs> too much money once to almost see him. I missed him twice. I Eric Clapton was the one that was op- was closing the night, but I was going to see Gary Clark Jr. So of course oh I had to pay God. for an Eric Clapton ticket. He got sick. It didn't happen. I drove to Arizona to go see him. The ca- the show got canceled when I got to Arizona from San Diego. No. Driving there. But then when I finally got to see him, I've seen him three times now, but he, like his expressions are always different and his mood is always different. So and that comes out like in his performance which I like. Like I don't know. I I feel like there was one show where he seemed like very like not as animated. Mm. And it, but it was only the one show. The other two shows, he was like on fire, like connecting with the crowd. But something was maybe going on. I don't know. He's a person. Yeah. And we forget that. Like when you perform, sometimes you have to really perform if you're having a bad day. And I think he might have been having a bad day, but it showed up in these like really like different, beautiful ways. I guess that that night, in my opinion. It's amazing. It's really lucky to see somebody multiple times. I think because you get to see that and you get to that's part of the human experience and why live shows are so powerful mm-hmm. is because it's, it's not that same record over and over. And do you know who else though? I would want to give a shout out to like best life performance is freaking Alicia craft. Do you know Alicia? Kraft? I don't know. She's, she's here in town. Okay. Fantastic. She's a buddy of mine, but she, if you'd heard of like Patty Fiasco or Whipper Will, she was in those bands, but she's doing like Alicia craft music now. And I mean, she always has been, but as Alicia Craft, that woman can like light up any stage. So that's a really good other live performance is Alicia Craft. Everybody listening, Alicia Craft, go check it out. I'm yes. going to do that as soon as I get in the car and drive home. But don't spell it wrong. It's going to be A-L-Y-S-I-A. Okay. Everybody's going to spell it wrong. So Good to know. Good to know. Uh, take us through the journey of your songwriting. What is the process from conception to being in the studio uh if we're going like all the way through that it's I feel like it's always pretty different um sometimes a song will just like fall out and we'll just record it and then other times it takes me seven years to release a song so and that's kind of where I'm at right now like I haven't released anything for a while but if I'm just recording stuff on my own in my own studio I am probably recording by myself like I don't know 10 songs a month where I will just do it here alone and nobody will ever see it. But I think that's the point for me is um, to just get it out and then to process it through as far as I need to. And then if I can share it with the world, that's great. But as long as I can get it out, that's like the best part. And do you start with a certain instrument? Do you start with lyrics or melody or anything like that? Mm-mm. It's almost always different. Sometimes I get a phrase in my head. I usually I'll be start, I'll start it on piano. I'm more... I think versatile on piano. There's a freaking mouse in my house. Did you just see that? You better put that on. (laughs) Veronica May has a mouse in her pooping house. This is the real experience. This is a real house experience (laughs) of living in Fort Collins. I don't have fear, but I have a little fear. (laughs) It's all right. He's a friendly, mice are friendly. He's just trying to find his way. He's just trying to find his way. Moving on. Catch and release. <laughs> um, okay, so you start on piano. Mm-hmm. 
most of the time maybe that's where you're most more versatile and I think as a percussionist too I'll hear like a rhythm and then I'll immediately tag it to a phrase so sometimes I'll start with a pointless phrase and then that will be the entire song's inspiration is this phrase that was just happened to go with the rhythm so sometimes that happens but it's usually like what do I need to say what do people maybe want to hear how can I make people think those are the questions I ask myself great and what has been your biggest struggle and biggest triumph within your music career so far? My biggest struggle was when I was younger, which was thinking I needed to be famous in two years and thinking that fame was what I needed. I think that was the biggest struggle. And I think if there's anybody out there as a musician who that's like your goal, maybe shift that goal, maybe still have the goal to access a lot of people, but don't let that be the reason that, you know, you want people to know you and you want to be famous and you want to go to the things. And for me, that was like, then I was constantly comparing when people were rising above me. And so I think once I let go of that and just let my career be what it is and to enjoy my career as it is, that was like the freedom of it all. And then my biggest triumph, oh my gosh, in my music career is that I'm still doing it. That's my biggest triumph. That after 20 years, I'm still doing it. That's an incredible triumph. It's yeah. something to celebrate. I mean. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I had a little girl once come up to me, because I do lessons too, which that's part of my music career. And she legit was like, do you get paid to do this? Because we were having fun. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, it's, it's great. So I'm lucky to do it. That's my biggest triumph, that I still get to do it. Beautiful. And congratulations. I mean, that's going back to, you know, doing it for fame and things like that are so temporary and creating music to touch people and connect with people and say something and create actual art is. That's the point. That's, that's the point. And that's, that's real longevity and that's a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. I heard somebody say once too, we're all famous in small circles. And it's like to remember that we are actually really touching the people that are in our communities and that's important if you touch one person in your life with your, with your music, like that's, that's it. And so going into community, how did you hear about Sonic Guild? What's your experience been like with the organization? I mean, I heard through, so I heard about Black Fret. Right. And then I was like, it, I did not know anything. And um, at this point, my experience is just that I was able to get a scholarship and then I was able to pass that forward to my band members I was able to get a little bit of equipment too and like able to just give back and through what they gave me, I guess. And then I was able to actually this piano right here is part of that purchase, a little part of that purchase. For people listening at home, there is a magnificent piano in the space with us right now. And uh, what a gift, I mean, to have that around in your life. Yes, I just got it. Literally, like six months ago, I've never had a piano my whole life. And I've, I mean, growing up, I had a piano. But my adult life, I was like, what are you doing? You're a pianist. Get a piano. I just pointed to it. If You can't see what I did. So, <laughs> piano. Okay, so what do you think the Colorado scene right now is doing well? And what do you think can change or evolve to better support artists? Mm, I think... Well, the Colorado scene is like the San Diego scene in that it's like a, well, I want to say the Fort Collins scene. I do not know anything about Denver scene, although I've heard it's not as supportive as it is up here. But I feel like in Fort Collins, 
I've grown my community and it's like we look out for each other in some ways, you know. So I think it's really supportive in those ways. I think if it would be great if more national acts with like different genre varieties came to Fort Collins. That would be great. Love me some bluegrass. But I am ready to, you know, do other things too. Mm. The, the bluegrass community is cool here. Um, but, you know, I think more variety would be really cool to see here. Yeah. Well, you heard it here. Let's get some more variety, more variety, more genres, more people, especially in the Fort Collins scene. So we are lucky enough to have another guest with us today. And this is going to be a little bit of a different mix from what you might have heard from the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast up to now. But it's a really important topic. And um, it's something that we're really lucky to shed light on. So first, I'll preface this with welcome. Christian Nujo. <laughs> well, welcome. Tell us a little bit about your art and what you do. What do I do? I, I'm an artist, a sculptor, as well as a musician. I've been playing for, I think I started at 13, 14, so about 18, 19 years now. I've been playing guitar specifically. And um, yeah, I make my living in the realm of arts and entertainment. And... You make some incredible sculptures, I hear, as well. As <laughs> I was lucky enough to see just a couple of your pieces, but you're quite talented. I Thank you. I appreciate that. So we have you over here today to talk about our mental health. And I think it's something that not just artists, but artists also have a lot of experience with is mental health issues and dealing with your own person as, as you exist in this world. So you and... Veronica have both had um, experiences in this realm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that's been like and how you're doing life? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have it all figured out, and here's the thing. Give us your secrets. Pull out your pen and notebook. <laughs> you know, that's a very good question, and I don't even know how to approach that. I've been, whatever, dealing... I don't, have you guys spoken to Bipolar specifically already? No, this is our intro to oh. this, yes. Oh, so wow. you're, you're okay. throwing us in the deep end. Well, I was officially diagnosed with bipolar a handful of years ago, around 27, so five-ish years ago. And about a, a decade ago from this point, institutionalized from, excuse me, for schizophrenia, psychosis, and have spent the last whatever, 10, 12 years of my life, uh, learning how to healthily navigate whatever we've signed up for, whatever thing we've been, like, thrust into in the society and all this stuff. And as far as, like, I don't even know if I'm on point with what you're asking, but I'd say just, like, the foundation of how I've approached all of this is through radical acceptance and presence and breathing all of the time. Amazing. And Veronica, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah, so I got diagnosed in when I was 25, 2007, I think. And I've had three hospitalizations. But with the bipolar one, I don't know. I've never asked Christian, like, the specific... It's, it's tough to get a real, like, diagnosis anytime soon. I got lucky because I got diagnosed, like, right away. Bipolar one, classic. And for just... I like to educate a little bit on, like, the differences because it's less scary. And also... Sometimes when I educate, somebody will be like, I've had that. Should I get an evaluation? Like, I did not know people did that. So bipolar one is usually the more extremes in terms of like where the mania can go and where the depressions can go, but generally more high. And it comes along with 
psychosis and psychosis is three things. It's paranoia. So like somebody's tapping the phones, whatever. It's delusions, which are beliefs that you think are real that aren't. So for me, I always think I'm Jesus. Like I thought I was Elsa from Frozen, which was fascinating. Also um, maybe. Also cool. <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> kind of fun for a minute. Um, <laughs> kind of felt like a queen. And then it comes along with, so paranoia, delusions, and hallucinations. Mm. So seeing things, hearing things. So if you're going through those things alone and you're like, I, I'm thinking of these odd peculiar things in my mind but nobody else does like that's just a delusion that's what it's called so I feel like for me getting the label was really important and some people don't like labels but for me I was like you know I needed that label in order to get the right meds in order to know what the heck to do so that's kind of been my journey and I'm writing a book I'm in the final edits it's been nine years in the making the book of bipolar according to Veronica and it's just how I it's like a religious experience, actually, every time. And like in, in a delusional way, I all my friends are disciples, and it's like a whole thing that happens three times. So who knows if there'll be a fourth? I don't know. It's been it's been seven years since my last. So And I was super stable on meds, taking care of myself, and it still happened, which really speaks to what Christian says about radical acceptance, because you really, you do. You have to radically get there at some point if you can. How has your experiences influenced the evolution of your art Honestly, question for both of you i would love to hear that from christian because i i don't know how can i say where people can look at what you do because it's just incredible sure uh, yeah sure um my website is nizio creations n-y-z-i-o creations.com and um now without the headphones i'm like i don't know if i'm screaming into this thing <laughs> and see nizio s-e-e n-y-z-i-o on instagram and we yeah. will put those links in the show yeah, notes yeah, yeah. cool oh yeah um how has mental health informed my art yeah i'd say it's given me it has informed my art but the greatest gift i've gotten from my mental health stuff is my appreciation for my art because my art is one of the things that helps to keep me grounded and present and all of these things like today i woke up at six o'clock and i've been sculpting until i walk through that door and i feel like my day has completely gone by in a blink but specifically in how it like shows up in themes through my music art or whatever I'm, I'm obsessed with contrast i had uh in my early 20s i took lsd and like walked around a graveyard and like just walked around the street and just like meditate and was present and I had this experience where seeing light pouring through leaves at night, the contrast of light and dark, I, I've just been absolutely fascinated ever since. And how fitting or ironic being by having bipolar for an appreciation for highs and lows and all of that stuff. And I'm obsessed with love and the human experience and what the hell we're all doing here what all this is um that is really incredible i think it's important for all artists to find those moments of i don't know synchronicity maybe between our experiences and and the work that we create and why we're doing this is i mean the big question who knows but what do you think uh, any advice for people listening to artists just coming up or people that are just now experiencing maybe their own discovery of their mental health and seeking diagnosis or um, modes to, 
I mean, really, if just exist through the systems that we're in, too. How my mental health and well-being informs my creativity is every way at this point, I feel. I feel like my biggest gift is bipolar one. And I and I say that out of truth. I mean, there there are times where it's terrible, like a small amount of time. But I also say that to urge anybody out there listening to like not be afraid to get it, go get evaluated. Like it's not a death sentence to get bipolar one or bipolar two or schizophrenia or OCD. It's not a death sentence. So if you know you're experiencing like, you know, if if you had a physical problem that was really going to affect something, you would go get it checked right away. But we keep a lot of stuff upstairs to ourselves. <laughs> so I talk about it on stage. Sometimes I, I won't say much, but I'll just say, Hey, I have bipolar one, just so you guys know, just to say it. And a lot of times people are like, I, I have it too. And, or my, my dad had it and he, and it was this way, or just, we just need to say it sometimes. And I think, you know, for, for musicians who are maybe just coming to terms with their mental health struggles or whatever it is, put it into your work and be an advocate like be an advocate for others because that empowers you. It's like a whole cycle. So that's how I do it is, is by, you know, in San Diego, I used to do like speeches at schools about education on it and I would use my music. So it's like, make it more than it is, you know, or make it as exactly important as it is too. That's the way. Yeah. That's the bigger truth. It's amazing how many people you can connect with and how many people have similar experiences and we just don't talk about it. And that's, that's the best part about making art, making music is you can shed a light on that. And well, and I realized too, it's like, that's so true. Like Christian and I, Christian being in my band and being my lead guitarist, like his sensibilities, I don't know if this, if you would think this is true, but how you're such a, as a man, especially, I want to say like such a sensitive in, in tune kind of guy, but also in tune with the way you play. And I wonder if, I wonder if the way your brain works informs that or not. A hundred percent. My approach specifically with my mental health, and I, I wouldn't say that this route is for everybody, but for me currently is away from from medication and it like forces me to be feel everything all the time and it's through feeling all the stuff of being just like all right this is what's coming up and accepting all all of that stuff and i have been trained for better or worse to to feel every little ounce of all of the stuff and i'm just grateful it expresses itself in not terribly harmful ways and to speak to that i have to take medication so it's like, it just shows the sides of bipolar. Where it's like, some of us do, some of us don't. Some of us go through it this way. So it's like, for some of us, I if I was off medication, I would be in the hospital. I know that about myself. So I stay on it. But that's not a sign of strength or weakness, nor is it not being on it, you know? So we can do it all sorts of different ways, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to even just living in the systems that we're in is we have to find the ways that we need to survive. And the more aware we are and the more present we are, the more active you are in finding and maintaining the processes that work for you. I mean, the happier we all might be. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. So wrapping up, what do you aspire to create Maybe in the next year, in 2023. What's coming up? What are you excited about? In the next year? The next oh. year. 
Can Big I give questions. like a ten year goal? Uh, <laughs> in the next year is like thirty different things. Uh, just a handful of sculptural projects. Hopefully, seeing how all of this plays out and where we're going to be going and and touring around and writing and creating. Yeah, and my my own personal music stuff is like. I feel like everything I do is like a mandala in that if I'm using the word right, like where those monks who like do the sand and blow it all away. Yeah. I just, I don't, I'm not, I haven't been compelled in a long time to put anything down for consumption, outside consumption, but for hours, just the droning of like my own personal looping stuff and just saying goodbye to it when I'm done. So hopefully, and maybe it's an own, my own self fear protection thing and hopefully maybe this year start putting out my own personal stuff because it's only been through projects and yeah being being a part of a team never solo stuff so we'll see I hope you just turn into a parrot at the end (laughs) (laughs) the mouse has possessed him oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) um for me so there's a lot of stuff coming out musically this year for me so let's see here first will be coming out in may 4th may 4th i'm coming out with an album i recorded in 2016 it's 22 songs and then uh i'm that's with jeff berkeley out in san diego and then I recorded two songs here in Denver, some fellas, and those singles will be out later this year. And then beginning of next year, my bleeping book will be out finally. That's that's the biggest one for me. That's been the longest, the longest project of all. Amazing. Well, thank you both for being here with me, Veronica and Christian. Kudos to you. Keep making art. Keep making music. Keep putting it out there, if not selfishly, so that I can consume and appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes for more information on Veronica May's upcoming projects and to explore more of Christian Nizo's art. We've also put in links to The Trevor Project and Mental Health Colorado in case you or someone you know is looking for some extra help with their mental health.